continue our study on heaven, people ask the question about marriages in heaven. Will there be marriages in heaven? This is especially pertinent as there are, is one religious uh, organization that posits its whole theology around marriages in heaven. But what does Jesus have to say about this? Find out today on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. And um, one of the big questions that people have pertaining to heaven is about marriage. Uh, will there be marriages in heaven? And there are certain uh, denominations, or well, I, if you want to call them denominations, there are certain groups of people who claim that if you are, if you're a more, if you are a particular person, man, and you marry a particular woman in a particular place. Uh, that you will be married for all eternity. And there's one uh, denomination, if you want to call it that, that says that uh, if you both are married together in this particular place, that you will populate, Cassie's smiling, he knows what I'm talking about, that you will populate your own planet. Am I lying, Cass? <laughs> and we even talk about, they even have this doctrine of holy underwear. Amen, Cass? Uh, and it's not the type I have in my drawer with the actual holes in them. They deem these underwear to be holy. But the question is, is that biblical? Is that a biblical doctrine? Are there going to be marriages in heaven? That's the question. So Matthew chapter 22, my apologies. I about had a panic attack. I thought, oh my goodness, what did I do here? Uh, but chapter 22, verses 23 through 40 is where we're going to be. We're going to ask everyone who can and is able to to please stand as we pay homage to the reading and hearing of God's precious Holy Word. Now, before I start, I need to explain some. There's some background information that needs to be dissected. You have to understand, in order to understand this passage of Scripture, you have to know that there were several different sections of Jews. Just as we have denominations today, there were several different denominations in ancient times. You had one group, which was the Pharisees. And this is the group that actually Jesus had most in common with the Pharisees of any group. They held to all of the Old Testament, the prophets, the writings, as well as the law itself. They held to all of that. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in the afterlife. They believed in angels, the judgment of God. You also had the Essenes 
who were actually supposed to have been the priests in the temple, uh, due to some political maneuverings taking place, they were ousted and they become a monastic group of individuals. You don't hear about them in the New Testament, but they are the ones you find in Qumran, the keepers of the, uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Actually, Daniel Price, uh, one of the professors up at Liberty, has found some more caves, which may hold some other additional scrolls up there if, if everything can work out with, uh, with that process there. They're hoping to find some more scrolls. But you had this group. Some of the early disciples may have been part of these Essenes. Some of them may have been part of the Pharisees. A lot of them were part of the Pharisees. But you had this other group called the Sadducees. And I question how religious they really are because they were really more of a political group. They only held to one section of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, the law. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe hardly anything. But they did believe in politics and they did believe in, in Israel's unification with uh, Rome. So understand, while Jesus got in arguments with the Pharisees, it was actually the political Sadducees that had Jesus crucified. And you know why? Because Jesus started attacking the temple. Because of their abuse to the temple. So it was actually a political group more than a religious group that had Jesus crucified. That's the danger sometimes we find in politics as you get in politics. So, all that being said, people are coming, they're challenging Jesus. And the Sadducees, they only hold to the first five books of the Bible. They don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see, uh, being the Sadducees. So the, the same day the Sadducees, coming in verse 23, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now suppose, okay, we're giving a hypothetical situation. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third husband also, even to the seventh. I don't know about you, but if I had had six brothers who was married to this woman and all of them died, I don't believe I would marry that woman. Amen? <laughs> Come on, guys. Any amens here? I believe I would be a little bit hesitant about marrying this woman if I had six brothers and, she, and they all died while being married to her. I'd be a little suspicious. Well, even the seventh man also died. Last of all, the woman died. Therefore, in the resurrection, you can almost hear that sinister <laughs> going on. We've got you now, Jesus. Now, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken. You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, that statement right there answers our question. Is there, are there marriages in heaven? What did Jesus just say? No, absolutely not. So if you hear a group saying there are marriages in heaven, what did Jesus just say? There are no marriages in heaven. So why are there no marriages in heaven? They are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, now Jesus is a genius. I know he's a son of God, but he is absolutely a genius. He's going back to the first five books that the Sadducees accept, using those books to prove that there is an afterlife, to prove that there is a resurrection. This is what he does. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, 
I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching, knowing, <laughs> boy, he shut them up, didn't he? He basically answered their question and then some. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. We just ask you, Lord, this morning that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I'm going to mention some things today that will not be politically correct. Is everybody okay with that? If you are, let me hear you say amen. I'm going to mention some things today that on CNN would be, they would be horrified and the Southern Law and Poverty Center would probably label me a hate monger. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather hold the truth of God's Word up to any political innuendo of our day and time. And that being said, can we be honest and say there are differences between men and women? Amen. <laughs> any others? I mean, do we need... Well, my wife just stood up. Now, do we look alike here? <laughs> I mean, obviously, there are differences. I wasn't expecting her to take off like that. My goodness. I'm getting a little concerned here. There are differences between men and women. Now, we don't want to hear that. That's not politically correct. But there was a man... And let me just say, ladies, let me just clarify. I am not, I am not saying... I'm not agreeing with anything this man says. Amanda, okay, so, you know, just so you know... There's a story about a man who dies and goes to heaven. He, he get, goes to God and asks God, can I, he says, God, can I ask you a few questions? He says, sure. He says, I want to ask you a question. Why did you make women so pretty? God says, so you would like them. He says, well, God, I've got to ask you a question. Why did you make them so beautiful, though? He says, so that you would love them. He says, well, God, I've got to ask you a third question. Now, here's where I'm saying, Amanda, I'm not agreeing with this. Why did you make them such airheads? That's what he said. God said, so they would love you. <laughs> so maybe that's the point. I don't know. One of the big questions, one of the big questions that, that, that many people ask in this day and time, and a lot of this has to do with the inundation of this one particular group I've been talking about, uh, that stresses marriage in heaven. And, you know, and, and if you see the commercials and you see the literature, and it, may, it makes you think, man, this sounds, there's something to this. But if you read the scriptures and read what God actually says, what Jesus actually says, we learn that there are no marriages in heaven. And there are three reasons for this I'd like to propose to you today that he gives to us in chapter 22. First and foremost, there are no marriages in heaven because of angelic likeness. Now here he is not saying that we become angels in heaven. There is a distinct difference between the one human beings who died and are in heaven and those who are angels themselves. Now, we've already seen some, some, some wild-looking angels already, some even bizarre-looking angels already. But we notice that those of us who are in heaven, we are going to be redeemed by the Lord. We are still human beings saved in the image of God. We've been made in the image of God. But we are made like angels, he said. He says, they are neither married nor given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Now, there are a couple of things I think we need to point out here. 
when it pertains to angels of this angelic likeness. One of all, first of all, angelic likeness indicates that there are no gender roles as we find in this day and time. Angelic likeness indicates that people both in heaven and in the resurrection have no gender roles. Now, I'm not saying that there's no males nor females, but I'm just saying that the roles we find in gender, uh, in, with the genders, no longer exist in the resurrection, nor are they necessary in the resurrection. And let's be honest, ladies, you can say the same thing about men. Men can say the same thing about women. Sometimes we don't understand one another, do we? Amen? Amen. <laughs> We don't understand one another. It's kind of like uh, Andy Griffith's show. Opie was coming to Andy one time and they were talking about something and he said how he didn't understand women as a child. And Andy says, well, don't worry, you're not going to understand them either when you get to be an adult. And ladies, you can say the same thing about men, I'm sure. Uh, you know, so, so there are distinctions between male and female uh, despite what we are told in our day and time. So what we, there are differences between men and women. But these differences, these, these roles that we find here on earth won't exist in the resurrection because they're not necessary. Secondly, we see that at times there are hostilities and confusion that exist between the sexes. And this actually goes all the way back, if you follow Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, this goes all the way back to the fall. This was actually part of one of the curses that we find that happens at the fall. That there is this almost this uh, confusion. But I would dare say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that, that God uses both male and female as we complement one another together in the kingdom of God and praise God for that. But these distinctions and these misunderstandings that we have in, on earth this, between one another will not be carried over into heaven. I am blessed by Galatians 3.28 where Paul says that in the kingdom of God, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female, there is no slave and there is no free, that we are all made one in the Spirit of God, we are all made one in the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm happy to hear that. Amen? That we are all made one in the kingdom of God. We also see that angelic likeness indicates no gender relationships. There's no need for this, and we're going to under, uh, as we go along, this is going to become even more important. We're going to see that angelic likeness, that, the, that, that, that there's no gender relationships. You don't have angels marrying one another is what I'm trying to say. And likewise, when we get to the kingdom of God, there's not this need for there to be marriages. And because part of marriage, as we're going to see here in a few moments, is not only just for love. Did you know that there's another reason why God instituted the family? That's for our children. Amen? Study after study, if you remove the politics from it, study after study proves that children do best in homes with their biological fathers and mothers. Can I get an amen? amen. Children do best in the homes of their family. And I wouldn't wanna, I'm going to tell you, friend... Part of the problem of our society today is the breakdown of the family. And I stand by that. If I want to be criticized, so be it. If I want to be condemned, so be it. But that's the honest to goodness truth that part of our problem in our society today is, is the degradation of the family unit. And because of that, beloved, that's the reason we have children joining gangs. That's the reason we have kids out here breaking and entering and causing all kinds of havoc. Because they are not getting the family structure that they need to have in the home. But in heaven, we're not going to have a need for this. Because we're going to be one. 
In heaven, everyone's going to relate to one another perfectly. Because we all together, the church, as we are together, we are to be called the bride of Christ. As we see in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 and verse 9. You know, a lot of times you hear couples when they first get married, they talk about this honeymoon period. You ever heard of that? And you'll hear people say, well, just wait till the honeymoon is over. You ever thought what they meant by that? You know, when you start dating, you start dating, you have all those little frills and thrills, the little goosebumps and stuff like that. And then you have your honeymoon, you're all excited. And, and then a month passes after the honeymoon, or two months passes after the honeymoon. Well, what do they mean when the honeymoon's over? Reality sets in. And, and, and Jennifer will tell you that that partner that you just married is not as perfect as you thought they were. Amen? That person's... Gosh! <laughs> I saw that go in many different ways, but not that one. <laughs> but you realize the honeymoon's over. You realize this perfect this person, you had the rose-colored glasses on, and you realize this person's not as perfect as you thought they were. And reality sets in, and, and it's that moment when I think true love begins because I don't think that true love is in the opening moments of the marriage. I think as you go through the trials and tribulations of life, that true love begins to emerge as you're partnering together and you're enduring the troubles and trials and tribulations that take place together, that that's when that true, genuine love begins to work. Beloved, I want to tell you that true love is not found in erotic sensations. Amen? True love is not found in the sensual part. True love is that agape love, which is a love of decision. It's a love of choice, which says that I'm going to love you, as we say during our wedding vows, through thickness and through thin, through good times and through bad. But let's be honest, a lot of times we only mean the good times, don't we? When you have a person maybe going through some, some difficult physical situations... You may not be prepared for that. I, I, I'm thinking now, I'm not going to mention them by name since we post this on air, uh, but I'm thinking right now of a, of a friend of mine uh, who, whose wife is undergoing uh, several difficult uh, physical things. But he is staying by her side faithfully. Faithfully through all of those things. That is a love of choice. That agape love is the love that God has for us. That he has decided... That he has decided no matter what happens in life, that he chooses to love you. And that's the type of love that God has for you and for me. When we mess up, he still loves us. When we mess up big time, he still loves us. Even when we have nothing to offer to him, he still loves us. Even when we are bedridden, he still loves us. His love for us does not change over time. His love for us is continual and will not fail and will not fail. Can I get an amen? amen? I'm about to go Pentecostal here just thinking about that. That God loves us no matter what we go through in life. Beloved, some of you may have had relationships with individuals who promised that they were going to love you, but they didn't. Don't hold God to that same standard because God is a God whose love is everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. He is a heavenly Father who has decided to love you from eternity past. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me and still loves me. And I'm going to tell you, that's a whole lot of loving. Amen? That's a whole lot of love that He has for us that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what, He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He has an everlasting love for you, friend. So if you don't take anything else from this message, understand that. 
Even while our human relationships may fall apart, God's relationship with us is eternal and everlasting. And beloved, I'm going to tell you, we just have just a foretaste of the love that God has for us. When we get to heaven, I'm, I think we're going to find out what true love is all about. Because when we stand before God and we realize, understand, understand this. I know the scenes that we've depicted of God are tremendous. They're fearsome as they should be. Because we're talking about the most powerful force ever you could ever imagine. There should be a little healthy fear when we think about God. But when you experience the love that He has for you, the love that just shines forth from eternity past to eternity future, beloved, understand something. That you, you're just not, it's hard to even wrap our minds around what type of love that is. And that's the type of love we're going to experience in heaven. So there's not going to be a need for these, uh, these marital relationships because, because of this love that we have. And this gets to our second point. There are no marriages in heaven because of eternal living. Because of eternal living. And as we see this, as we look at this, uh, we, we see that there are within marriage... Uh, a couple of, of, of necessary things that we find in marriage, especially as it comes to our children. First of all, we see that eternal living indicates no need for reproduction. God told, God told Adam and Eve to go forth and what? Multiply. Absolutely. Go forth and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue it, he says. Now, this, this means that... Uh, <laughs> Looking at this, someone mentioned this not long ago, and I hadn't really thought about it. That, but to truly multiply, that you have to have more kids than, than you have parents. And what I mean by that is we have, you have a mother and a father. To truly multiply, you need at least three or more kids. Now, <laughs> that's scary to think about. If you think about that, to truly multiply means you need more, more kids than what you have in that relationship. But anyhow, not going off on that, but just simply saying this. Only... Uh, that this command we have is to go forth and multiply, and that's to be within the boundaries of, 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 hev- of, of matrimony, of, of holy matrimony between a man and a woman, between a man and wife. Secondly, in heaven, this command is nullified as there's no more need to reproduce. This, this need for reproduction is only during this time and not in heaven. So this whole idea that there's going to be these heavenly reproductions and stuff like that, that's just, that's just not biblical. It's just not biblical. Thirdly, human beings in heaven are those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We are individuals who've gone through this earth, who've been through the pressures of this life, and who have experienced the salvation of God Almighty. So the whole, the whole aspect of there being reproduction in heaven, again, it just doesn't hold to the biblical record. And this also brings to mind the age of accountability. I just want to hit on this just a few moments, because I started thinking about this as we talk about kids, and I mentioned this briefly last week. I think that there is, uh, while the Bible's not explicit in what it teaches about this, I do believe that we have precedent to believe that those kids who have passed away before reaching an age of accountability are in heaven with Christ. We see that in John 16, 9, Jesus notes that the Spirit of God convicts individuals. We also see that, secondly, the gospel is presented by the hearing and understanding. Paul says in the book of Romans that the gospel is received after it is heard and understood, after conviction is applied to the heart. So for individuals who've never reached that stage where they could have that age of accountability to give an account of their lives, I believe God has 
uh, somehow or some way that he saves the souls of those individuals. So, and it's also we see in 2 Peter 3, 9 that it's God's desire to save all people. He realizes that not everybody's going to respond to his grace. But it's God's desire that all people would be saved. And we see this also in 1 John 2, uh, 2, 2 as well. So taking all of this under consideration, there is no need for reproduction. Therefore, there is no need for marriage in heaven. Secondly, eternal living indicates there's no need for parenting. One, for one, we're all going to be perfected in, in heaven. We're all going to be made in the image of Christ. So why would we need to parent someone else if they're already perfect? Wouldn't that make parenting a whole lot easier? <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, if, 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 you're, if your child that you, that you get... I know in our minds already we think that our children are perfect. And, and I, you know, I think in my mind Grayson's perfect, but I realize that he's not. And I realize as a pastor I can't hold him up to some super high standard. Uh, you know, my whole issue is he's a kid and he just needs to be a kid. Amen? And, you know, he's not a super perfect kid and he's not supposed to be. He's supposed to be Grayson Chilton. That's who he's supposed to be. That's all he's supposed to be. Hello. <laughs> but that being said, that being said, wouldn't it be nice... If, if, if kids came out and they were perfect, they already knew everything, you didn't have to give them guidance, you didn't have to give them instruction, they just went along their way and you didn't have to give them any guidance whatsoever. Well, that's not realistic, is it? Because children need guidance. It's, Stephen and I were talking about that very thing this morning. Children need guidance. They need direction. They need parents. Amen? They need direction. They need to hear, yes, this is okay. But they also need to hear the word, no. I just went silent. <laughs> they need to hear the word, no. They need to hear some things are not right. Some things you don't need to do. You don't need to stand out in the middle of the highway or you're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. Secondly, God is going to serve as our perfect parent. And I just want to make another note here. I was blessed to have some good parents, but I realize not everyone's blessed in that regard. I realize some people may have had some rough childhoods. I realize that some people may have had some parents who were not nice to them, maybe absentee parents who weren't there for them, maybe parents who did some awful things. Let me, can I, just, I just want to speak a word to you this morning. Don't compare God to that bad parent. Because even if you had a good parent, God is going to be even far superior to that good parent. God is far better than that bad parent that you had if you had a bad parent. God loves you with an everlasting love. So many times we want to compare God to these human individuals that we have in our lives. But understand that God is the perfect parent. He will be with you through thick and through thin. Maybe you had, maybe you had a parent who wasn't there for you. You can trust and understand that God's going to be there with you from the moment you're born to the moment you die and even into eternity. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to give you up. He's never going to go down the wayside of, 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 uh, of somewhere else leaving you to yourself. God is always going to be there for you. And this perfect parent who loves you perfectly and has this grace and mercy upon you, you're going to be able to experience Him in all of His glory and all of His wonder. And then you're going to know just how good of a parent we really have in God the Father. And isn't it an honor to be able to call God the Father, our Father, who art in heaven, and hallowed be his name. I remember, though, uh, you know, a lot of times, God being the good parent that he is, sometimes he has to set us in line, as good parents do. 
I remember one time I, I was riding the school bus home and I made some bad grades on a certain test. And I, I think the thing I dreaded most was, was getting home and having mom and dad see that, realizing the long talk I was going to have afterwards. But you know, God is a, God is a good father. He's a good parent. He's, he's going to give us discipline when we need discipline. But he's going to give us love and grace unlike anything we've ever experienced. So if, if that's the case, if God is our perfect father, then we don't need marriages in heaven, do we? We don't need that construct anymore in heaven. And last but certainly not least, and this kind of adds on to the last point we made, there are no marriages in heaven because of this thing we call everlasting love. Amen? This everlasting love. First and foremost, this everlasting love comes from our God's love. Now notice Jesus says that God is not a God of the dead, in verse 32, but He's a God of the living. This means this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who had died many years ago, they're still living. God is not a God of the dead, He's a God of life. He's a God of the living, and He corrects the Sadducees there in this this, uh, political innuendo that they have. They wanted to reject uh, the the afterlife. They wanted to reject uh, these things. But Jesus sets them straight, saying that God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. Now understand, I I realize as we come to church, we have many different people coming from many different backgrounds, and we talk about marriage. And I remember being a single man in church, I was saved at early age, and I was called to ministry at an early age. And as soon as I was called to ministry, most everybody told me this one thing. You need to get married. <laughs> everybody told me that. Now, you need, now that you're called to preach, you've got to find your good preacher's wife. It took me several years to finally find a good woman. Uh, a lot of the women I found, they wanted to go out and party, and I just wasn't into that. I just wasn't into that at all. I mean, that's, that's all they were interested in, it seemed like. Uh, but it, nonetheless, you know, here I was, a single man in church. Everybody was saying, man, you got to get married. When, when you get married, Brian, when you get married, when you get married, I always heard that. And it, it was really difficult on Valentine's Day, hearing everything about marriages and the people all kissy, kissy, snuggy, snuggy, and, like, when you get married, I don't know, and find me somebody, then maybe we'll talk about it, you know. That's all I heard, you know, the kissy, kissy, and all that kind of stuff like that. But understand, no matter if you enter eternity as one married or one who's never been married, understand this, the love that you have with God is going to far surpass any love that you could ever find in marriage. I love my wife, and she loves me, and we have a good marriage. At least I hope you would say that. But, <laughs> but beginning to wonder here... But anyhow, um, you know, we have a great relationship. But the love that you have in God, the love that you have in Christ, is far superior to any type of love that you could have on this side of eternity. In our spiritual state in heaven after death, we experience the richness of God's love. Thomas Oden says that Scripture portrays believers as engaged in this conscious life and dialogue, communion with God. Martin Luther even said that this understanding should provide within us a realization that our coffins are nothing more than being in the bosom of paradise and the grave is nothing other than a soft couch or a bed of ease. Have you ever thought about a coffin being like a couch or a bed? But that Martin Luther says that when we understand the realization we have of the life we have in Christ we lose all the, the, the fear of the cemeteries. We lose all the fear of, uh, of death itself because death has truly lost its sting. 
and our resurrection state after Christ's return, we will experience even more the richness of God's love. In fact, Athanasius of Alexandria said in the 300s when there was this intense persecution at the hand of the Roman emperor Diocletian that many women would laugh and scoff at the fires and the posts that they would be attached to and the fires that would consume their bodies. They laughed because they realized the life of eternity they had in Christ Jesus. Some of you may have faced divorce Some of you may have never married. Others of you may be in difficult relationships or some of you may be in wonderful relationships. But no matter what station you find yourself in life, understand this, they all pale in comparison to the love that we find in God Almighty. And the love we experience in God, with God in eternity will be unlike anything we could ever imagine in our lives. And last but certainly not least, this everlasting love comes from our Christian love. The love we experience in heaven does not need marital relationships because of the love we have for one another. Amanda, I was thinking of you at my first class up at Liberty in this program. uh, Dr. Lowe was talking about these studies that they found and how the Bible uses similar language talking about a Christian's relationship to one another in the Hebrew and Greek. But in forests, they found that there's this interconnected relationship between the trees. The roots themselves intertwine with one another in some of these forests so that if one of the tree dies or is uprooted, it affects the entire system. They're all kind of linked together. And Dr. Lowe makes the argument that in some portions of Scripture, the relationship we have together is, are like those roots intertwined like in the forest. Beloved, I don't, know about, I don't know if we realize this or not, just how closely knit we all together are in Christ Jesus. No matter what type of family situation you have, understand you have a family. And do you know who they are? Look around you. I, I, I want to do something here. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, I want you to stand up for just a moment. I want you to look around, open your eyes and look around, this is your family. Amen? This is your family. You can be seated now. But this is your family in Christ Jesus, and we are all interconnected together. You know, even this past week being up there, you know, meeting some of the individuals, one guy from Germany, you know, people from all across the nation, one lady from Oklahoma, uh, all across the nation, two other people from North Carolina, one in Durham and the other one past Raleigh, uh, all of us talking together, communing together, and it helps me to realize that we together, even Christians in Germany, Christians in the Middle East, all of us are linked together in Christ Jesus. We have a family that transcends where we are, and this family is far greater than we can ever think or ever could imagine. Let me close with this. Billy Graham, uh, I, you know, of course we've heard a lot about Dr. Billy Graham this past week with his passing, and someone told him, someone asked him and said, um, Dr. Graham, being a preacher, you hear all kinds of things. And I can only imagine if you're at that stage of ministry what you hear. But one person came up to Billy Graham and says, Billy, I want to tell you, he said, uh, I've heard your messages. And I've got to say that I've heard a lot of preachers who are a lot better than you. Can you imagine? I've heard a lot of preachers who are a lot better than you. How in the world did you get to where you are? And Billy Graham says, well, if you ever look and you see a turtle up on a fence post... Do you ask yourself how that turtle climbed up it or, or who put it there? 
And he said, that's been the case with me. God gave me this platform, put me up on this fence post for this platform. It wasn't my doing, but it was God's doing. And as we take a look at the relationship we have in Christ, as we take a look at this heaven that we experience, I think we can say the same thing. It's not anything by our works that grant us this position in heaven. It's by grace that we are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, why don't you come and receive Him today? You may feel that burning within your soul. You may feel that burning within your bosom, knowing that something's not right in your relationship with God. Understand, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's God speaking to your heart, urging you to come and make things right with Him. Because it is not God's will for you to perish and have a life in eternity in hell. It's God's desire for you to be saved. That's why He sent His Son to bear your sin upon His back so that you could experience heaven and know Him for all eternity. If you're here today and you don't know Him, I just want to plead with you to come down and make it right today. You may not have another opportunity. We're not promised another breath. As we heard just recently, as Faith shared with us about this gentleman who was only 40 years, young, 40 years old, who died of a heart attack. We don't know whether we'll take a next breath. So if you're not sure of your relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you to come and make it right today. Maybe you're here today and maybe you have a lot of troubles and situations you're facing and maybe you want to give those things to Christ. We encourage you to come down as well. Or maybe you're here today and would like to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and in your life, we just encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting this morning. To kind of gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you, Lord, we know that marriage is a wonderful institution that you've granted to us. We know that we have a wonderful relationships and can have wonderful relationships with each other. And we thank you for that. But Lord, we're also grateful and thankful for the relationship that we ultimately have in you. As we all together collectively as your church are indeed the bride of Christ. And we just ask, Lord, that whatever may be going on this morning, that you, through your Holy Spirit, would just work in and through each and every heart of each and every person here this morning. And if there's anyone here today who's never received this love, we just ask, Lord, that you would just allow them to, to, to see the glory, your glory this morning, and to feel and experience the fullness of your love as found in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us and all that you continue to do. Of course, in Jesus' name, we truly ask these things. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust, and one that you want to read, one that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. 
Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to True North, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of bellatorchristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. Life. Liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career.